Lifestyle is medicine, including healthy nutrition, has the potential to eliminate 80% of early death from chronic disease. Sadly, perpetual confusion now exists driven by sensational media headlines, flip-flopping advice, empty promises, and fad diets. Welcome to the True Health Revealed podcast. I'm Harvard Lifestyle Medicine Educator and founder of FlexMD, Dr. Tom Rafai. And my co-host is award-winning registered dietitian nutritionist Kathleen Zellman. We're both on the True Health Initiative Board of Directors, a nonprofit whose mission is to be the trusted signal of truth that rises above the deafening noise of misinformation regarding lifestyle and nutrition. We promise to bring you the truth based on the weight of the evidence, our heartfelt perspective, and our professional experience. But we're not alone. To help us deliver, we will tap the True Health Initiative's elite global council of more than 500 highly respected, credentialed experts, along with others in the field of nutrition, lifestyle medicine, health, and wellness. Our approach, no nonsense, realistic, logical, and enjoyable. Our goal is to fight fake facts, combat dangerous and misleading misinformation, and help you understand the prevailing wisdom on lifestyle medicine so you can make smart, health-promoting decisions every day. Welcome to the True Health Revealed podcast. I am so excited to launch our podcast with my amazing co-host, Dr. Tom Rafai, and we are kicking off the new year. It's a new year and top of mind is weight loss. Most people are looking at their scales and saying this is the year. We know that adult obesity rates are at an all-time high, 42.4%. Obesity is related to a number of health conditions, and there's so many factors that play a role in gaining and retaining and losing weight from diet, exercise, environmental factors, health conditions. But today, we are honored to have a true expert. Dr. John Ferret is a legend in the field of weight loss. He is a weight loss scientist whose research and writings has dealt with so many aspects of obesity-related illnesses, coping mechanisms for health benefits, and really trying to find what are those permanent lifestyle changes for heart health and healthy body weight. My friend, Dr. Ferret, is a professor and the director of Behavioral Medicine Research Center at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. He has served as a member of the National Institutes of Health Task Force on Prevention and Treatment of Obesity, as well as the expert panel on identification, evaluation, and treatment of overweight and obesity. He's the co-author of the best-selling book, The Living Heart Diet, has authored 18 other books, has also written more than 400 scientific articles. So... Today, we welcome John and welcome his pearls of wisdom, and he's going to give us a little insight into the look-ahead study, at, which is going to wrap this year after 21 years of investigating weight loss. So welcome, John. Welcome, John. Oh, Kathleen, thank you so much for having me. It's um, delighted to be uh, talking with you, and it's been too long before uh, that we've ever had a problem conversing. So I'm looking forward to really <laughs> dealing with you. and. We'll see how much we can get in in the few minutes we have to spend together. Sounds great. Perfect. Perfect. So why don't you kick it off for us, John, and your lifetime of work has dealt in this arena. 
And everybody wants to know, what can they do? What are some of those, those behavioral changes, those exercise patterns? What can we do to try to really make weight loss a reality? Well, you said it best. Uh, the prevalence of obesity now is over 40% in the, of uh, adult Americans. When I came to Baylor in 1974, it was 15%, one five. Yikes. So, you know, we've struggled um, at Baylor and everywhere else, uh, obesity researchers and scientists and clinicians. And in these last 47 years, it's gone from 15% to 40% and continuing to grow. So we haven't done a very good job. So I think I'll start off by saying there's no magic answer. Everyone is different. Um, and the focus for many people has been the wrong one, which is weight loss. I think the focus has to be on health. And mm. if you focus on health, you're going to get much more out of this. Um, you know, everyone can't be skinny, but everyone can be healthy. So by focusing on that, which includes some weight loss, if you can, but by focusing on health, that is eating wholesome diet, good, good eating plan, good physical activity, uh, dealing with stress, tension, anxiety, depression, anger, lonely boredom, you know, hostility, all of the psychosocial measures, you can really focus on, uh, you can really end up being a very healthy individual, which is the goal for all of us. It's not what you weigh, it's really what you're doing. Remember, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. In other words, really start today. I mean, the way to do is look at your life today and say, what is it that I really want? You know, in other words, start by setting a goal, both a short-term and a long-term goal with respect to health and start, start now, get yourself a diary or, uh, you know, the, uh, any kind of a, a log and log procedure and start um, looking at uh, writing down what, what are you doing? What, what's going on in your life? And start by putting down what you eat. You know, I had, a, um, had one of my patients I remember well, Linda, who lost more than 100 pounds. Um, and she's kept it off uh, at least the first two years, and then she started gaining some back. But, but those first two years were really, I asked her how she did it. And she said, well, really, you know, when I <clears throat> open my eyes in the morning, I plan my entire day. I always eat the same breakfast, oatmeal and orange juice. I always eat the same lunch at Luby's Cafeteria in um, Houston, Texas, broiled whitefish and vegetables. I eat basically the same dinner every night, which is lean cuisine or Weight Watchers or a number of these packaged uh, calorie-specific uh, um, diets so she knows what she's eating. She said, I exercise an hour a day, seven days a week. She's managed her stress by changing her career four times. She's changed her family twice. She, um, she says, the only way I can do it is I have to structure my life. Now, you can argue that's really good or you can argue really bad. Is Linda a success or is she a failure? But whatever, it's not, you know, you can lose the weight, but it's really focusing on health, well-being, quality of life which includes all those stressors that we have um, from day to day. So there we are. I mean, that, that's what we're doing. Now, if you want to lose weight, um, if you want to focus on becoming a healthier person, there are several kind of strategies that you can use. The bottom line, as we all know, is diet and exercise. I mean, that is the bottom number one rule. 
eat, eat healthy, exercise regularly. I'm not telling you anything new. Everybody knows that. The question is, how do you do that? And these are what's called the behavioral strategies. That's the bottom line. If you want to do eat healthy and exercise regularly, start by focusing on what are you eating now and how active are you now? Start with that and then gradually set a goal of improving health a little bit at a time. Um, so get a food diary, fill it out. We all know that. Start working on your lifestyle. That is, get on a scale regularly. If you want to really lose weight, you got to weigh regularly. Get, um, uh, um, uh, get an ac um, adequate number of hours of sleep. Sleep seven or eight hours a night. Um, work on that. Work on your stress. Um, start exercising more. Get a, um, get a step counter. Start getting up to gradually working your way to maybe 10,000 steps a day. Um, and get help from friends. Get help from your family. Get help from your friends. Get help from professionals if you need it. And the bottom line is, again, put yourself first. That's the goal. And I'll stop there. So does it work? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you know, a couple of, of thoughts. Is, there's so much good information there, John. As we discussed off air in, in running a program that inspired by Look Ahead, and I can't thank you enough for your work, a couple of questions I have. And in terms of the beginning in that first year of Look Ahead, which is, again, for the public listening, it's over a 5,000-person randomized control trial, multiple sites, I think you can confirm, John, somewhere around 16 sites now running out for 20 years. Yes. In that first year, they did find that uh, there were about three things that really independently predicted successful, you know, blood sugars. It was a diabetes and weight control trial and, uh, and weight loss. One of them was the use of something you mentioned, meal replacements, obviously attendance to groups and then physical activity. And uh, what are your thoughts regarding the temporary use, the kickstart, as many people come, you know, without a lot of healthy food skills and, and that buying that time combined with the education, not just a one-trick pony for meal replacements alone, but, uh, but integrating them in. What are your comments regarding a meal replacements as a tool in the toolbox of weight management? Um, I agree with you 100%. Uh, what we learned in the Look Ahead trial, and as you mentioned, we have had over 5,000 individuals take part in that trial, randomly assigned to either a behavioral lifestyle management uh, condition or a control group. And what we found was the meal we used meal replacements in the uh, active treatment group, and that involved either a... Um, uh, a, a drink, you know, a high, like a high protein drink once or twice a day. And um, we did that gradually over the first six months and then uh, tapered off a little bit. But basically over the first year, we had some meal replacements, uh, replacing breakfast or lunch or breakfast and lunch, and then a healthy meal at the end of the day, along with a snack. And what we found was, uh, terrific weight loss. And it was a jump start. People loved it. They lost weight quickly. And um, that helped them stay in our program. And now some, most of these people are still with us mm -hmm. uh, after 20 years. So meal replacements are a wonderful strategy for many people. And I recommend them highly, especially now after the holidays. What you want to do is kind of get back to where you were before the holidays and then even lose some more weight. And meal replacements, that is using one of these high-protein drinks you can buy um, in the supermarket, 
and having them once or twice a day, if once will help you maintain weight, two, two a day will help you lose some weight. And you will see the weight come off quickly and uh, you'll feel terrific about it. So the answer is we found that in Look Ahead and we recommend that to everyone. That's fabulous. And, you know, it seems as though it's the portion control so that you have the package or you have the drink and that's the end of the meal. So you're less likely to, you know, go for second helpings. Well, John, you mentioned that your patient, Linda, it was the routine. It seemed as though having some kind of a set established routine is really beneficial in managing all the temptations. Yes. You structure your life. If you really want to lose weight, I mean, you've got to first understand where you're at and what you need to do. That is, again, the goal setting. But once you get that, then structure your life as far as sticking with it as as best you can. Certainly, you want to break it from time to time, you know, on holidays and birthdays and and so on, festive occasions. But you really want to know what you're doing. Um by, by focusing on health, you can really achieve those goals easier than just focusing on weight. Focusing on weight means you've got to starve yourself, or at least you're feeling that you're starving yourself, or you're feeling you're eating less than you should. But by focusing on health, by, that is taking your blood pressure and take, looking at your um, <clears throat> just a feeling, that, that psychological feeling of well-being after you exercise, all of those psychological factors play a role in actually helping yourself achieve the health goals that should be your main outcome. And John, I think if I'm not mistaken on the food component of it, uh, you know, obviously Kathleen and I are are very big proponents of plant-rich, you know, if not plant-pure, but plant-rich eating, that there was education regarding foods that got you full on less calories, the, you know, water-rich whole fruits and vegetables and, you know, things that had water cooked into them, whether they be whole grains or beans or lentils, so that you didn't feel hungry. You mentioned the hunger part, that you gave uh, instructions on uh, foods that could help you feel full on less calories, also rich in fiber, obviously, and uh, maybe even a role of protein in, in, to some degree. Can you, can you comment on that? Yes, absolutely. That was the main focus in Look Ahead was helping you eat healthy, but not feeling hungry. And there are lots of tricks of the trade that you can do, as you've just mentioned, that work very, very well and will help people stay on a healthy-oriented diet. Uh, Lots of fruits and vegetables, Mediterranean-style eating, you know, fruits and vegetables and so on, Um, cutting the fat and just uh, focusing on a good, healthy eating plan. And that is the bottom line for all of us. I mean, and does it work? Sure. I mean, and it's not that hard to do. You know, it's it, although you can you can make it hard by eating the wrong foods. Um, and uh, you know, I love following these idiotic diets that come out all the time. And um, you have to really get back to what what is healthy. I mean, that that's the goal for all of us. Absolutely. And real quick on the the environment part, I think you, you, I heard you imply, if I'm not mistaken, basically we're living in such a toxic food environment in, in general. And maybe my question will lead towards how you can at least modify that where you can control it, such as the home, that it's almost impossible to succeed in the metabolic health, if you will, or obesity epidemic when we're swimming in a sea, you know, I call it crap, but that only stands for calorie-rich, refined, and highly processed, C-R-R-A-H-P. Mm-hmm. But as far as the environmental predictors of success where spouses or life partners may have been on board or not so on board, you know, any, any comments 
in, in that regard as to uh, how supportive, uh, speaking of environments, you know, their social environment and probably therefore their food environment uh, was at home? Well, it, yes, those are excellent points, all of them. And bottom line is it is the environment, stupid. You know, that's, it's the environment. That is what causes obesity in many people. And it's a major, major factor. There are many other factors, too, and don't get me wrong. But to see the prevalence of obesity go from 15% in the United States in 1970s to 40%, and if you add overweight, you've got now over 70% of Americans are overweight or obese, then it's exactly what you said. You know, it's the environment, and we've got to take a look at the aspects of the environment. The way to counteract some of these is to pay attention to what you're buying and eating, pay attention to how active you are getting support within your family. And I've seen so many of these families that really um, are, are not going along with each other, put it that way. I mean, you've got people who are not supportive, which really makes it all the more difficult. So a good support system is what you're looking for to battle these, as you, you described it better than I can, this environmental, these environmental factors that are affecting uh, what we're eating and the lack of exercise. I mean, it, it is environmental. There's no, in my, my belief system says, it's basically all the environment that's causing this enormous increase in uh, obesity and uh, overweight. John, you've said in the past that regular physical exercise is one of the most important behaviors. Do you prioritize it over dietary changes? Do you think that you start with that commitment to regular physical activity, whether it's increasing your number of steps or just being more active? Because I know we can accumulate, you know, 10 minutes here, here, here throughout the day. But how do you put that in perspective with dietary changes? Well, yes. If you start with physical activity, you've got a much better chance of long-term success. And the reason for that is psychological. When you set a goal of exercise, walking, say, 30 minutes, and do this regularly, you're going to feel terrific about yourself. It's the feeling of well-being. And that feeling of well-being then will oftentimes help you structure your diet. Eat, in other words, eat healthy. So by, you know, how do you, how can you manage your diet? Well, you can manage your diet in part by being more active because of the psychology feeling of well-being. So I would, I vote for physical activity first and then really focusing on the finer points of diet, although both, of course, are important. There's no question there. But really, don't downplay exercise. Exercise really does work, not only because, you know, again, the physical aspects of um, being active, but the psychological aspects of being active. And that's really what I'm interested in. Is You know, how do you help people eat right? Well, you help people eat right by being more active. And that is the bottom line. And we, we saw that in Look Ahead, and we see it in other studies, too. I mean, it's a well-known fact. And that's one many people don't do. So that's one I would really focus on. Just, you know, and again, and you don't have to become a marathon runner, but you have to, I think you should be a little bit more walking, a little bit more, or whatever it is that you like doing. Find something you like doing and stick with it. Find the pleasure. Absolutely. And, and John, just to, to 
a little bit though uh, further. I'm sure some people might um, who are listening and might say, "Yeah, but I heard that that uh, you know you you can't exercise a bad diet per se." But the, the bottom line is that there seems to be more evidence on physical activity for maintenance than loss, and maybe help guide us through. There really has to be kind of a, a food component for the weight loss to to happen. That a lot of people overestimate how many calories they're burning with physical activity, and and absolutely critical for health and certainly for long-term weight maintenance, maybe to help with loss, but by itself, changing physical activity, the body may have compensatory mechanisms to not necessarily help you achieve what you want on the scale without the food component. I think that's true of most of us. Um, I, I really, you put your finger on it. People do believe that they are more active than they actually are. And um, they're eating and they, they believe they're eating less than they actually are. So both components are really uh, giving people trouble. So the bottom line is to do it for, you know, your exercise, whatever your goals are, but gradually building up if you're doing steps, you know, gradually build to 10,000 steps. And don't bother so much about the calories that you believe you're doing because you're probably not doing well as you, you think you are. But it doesn't matter. The bottom line is still you want to be more active and be less, you know, eating less. Um, so I, it, that doesn't bother me. I mean, I don't really write down the calories. I write down the minutes that, that I exercise. And that, that's really the bottom line for me. Don't bother so much about the calories. I love that. And there's quite the movement within the dietitian world to advocate for a non-diet approach. You know, eat healthier, be more active. But, you know, the reality is people get frustrated and throw in the towel. It just doesn't happen fast enough. Or, you know, they're not losing quick enough. They're not seeing those results in their health. Any tips on, on how to maintain that constant vigilance and, and perseverance so that you do get the results with some patients? Well, absolutely. What You know, this whole intuitive eating movement or the anti-diet kind of hungerfulness where eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, listen to your body, has many good elements to it. It's not the be-all for all of us, but it certainly has good elements, in fact, of listening to your body. And uh, by paying attention, you, 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 you're in a better position to eat less and to feel that you need to be a little bit more active. So, you know, it's not just looking up your calories in a book. It's really paying attention to your body Everyone's different. No one is, you know, and that's why we have different approaches for different people. And it's getting back to the old eat right, exercise more, be a little bit more active. And that will help you um, with your approach to improving your health. And that, for all of us, that is the bottom line. John, I, I've got a question for you regarding what you commented on socially, you know, toxic social environments. And and if you have any tips that, that you've either given to patients or honestly, even from your own life, I mean, as much as we're experts and we may get less push from friends, you know, in, in terms of the, you know, the toxic food influence, eat more, manja, manja, and so forth, I think we all get them to some degree. Any tips in mm -hmm. regards to someone that's dealing with a, uh, maybe a loving, but when it comes to lifestyle, a toxic life partner or friends or how you've uh, discussed in uh, counseling sessions when you feel someone's under pressure at work or with the friends network or, at, or particularly at home? That's a tough one. You're, you're absolutely right. That is a very difficult area. First, there's the need to identify where the toxic environmental parts are. 
whether they're in the home, whether they're at work, whether they're other places, and then really start dealing with them. Um, you need to set first your own affirmations, that is your own beliefs, your own system of this is who I am, and I'm going to really deal with each of these issues. And um, talk to people who are supportive. Spend more time with people who are supportive. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to, um, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes you're going to have to cut connections with people who are toxic. And we see this all the time. I mean, Melinda, just as an example, uh, she did have to change her family a couple of times. And uh, it was the only, it, uh, and I see that the more patients I see, the more I see that as one of the major factors interfering with diet or exercise. And um, the way to deal with it, it, get help. I mean, really, the bottom line is get help and uh, talk to people who are supportive, professional or collegial or good friends, neighbors, and so on. But put yourself first. Remember that. It's always important to put yourself first. And um, if you're going to be healthy, you've got to know what you need to do and go ahead and do it. And if that means cutting connections, go ahead and do it. So, I love it. I think that it's it's really so important to have that village of people who lift you up and who are in your camp and want to help you because we know looking at these obesity statistics it's not easy and you need all the tools in your toolbox that you can. I always say be a B student. Don't try to be perfect, but try 80% of the time to do the right thing. That is get out there when you don't feel like yep. exercising. You know push that cake away. <laughs> Don't try to resist some of the temptations, but none of us are perfect and we want to enjoy those special occasions. But if we don't have that village around us, it makes it really hard to persevere. And I don't know if you have any comments about how do we get in this position of 42% of American adults overweight? I mean, what's our biggest problem? That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, the environment, the environment has changed dramatically from, you know, over the last 50 years or, or more. And uh, it's to the detriment of, it, it's make, making our life so easy by sitting all day in front of a television set and all of these factors that we know um, that we didn't have 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So what's happened now is, you know, as all of you know, how you go to, go to the grocery store and you can see all these pre prepared stuff ahead of time. And, you know, again, toxic foods, toxic environment, toxic, you know, um, strategies to keep you from doing the things we all know we should be doing. Um, that's why we're all, you know, in this in this state that we found ourselves. Can we get out of it? Sure. And uh, part of that is by focusing on our own health and putting ourselves first. Um, that's the only way we're ever going to be healthy or that's the only way we're ever going to really achieve the goals that all of us want in our lives. Now, John, I, I look forward to having you back when the Look Ahead uh, reports, and I, I wish we could ask you questions about what you found the 10 years since the first major uh, publication. But I, I have a, a, a question regarding something you implied before, and I think it's uh, hard for people to understand or accept, and it was seen even at four years after, and that is that some weight regain after someone hits their, their nadir, their, their lowest point, is it's actually kind of common and maybe how we prepare people that, let's just say you're going from, you know, 260 down to, uh, you know, 190. It's, it's not 
abnormal, uh, maybe you don't like it, but uh, to regain some from that bottom point and then how to manage that in, in an expectant uh, type fashion. And secondly, this debate about fast or slow weight loss, my understanding looking at a, at least about four years in to look ahead is that either one is fine, really. Those that lost weight fastest, maybe just because they were ready and they're, 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 they were empty nesters, they didn't have the toxic food from the kids in the house or whatever, uh, I'm not sure what the chicken or the egg is, that the fast or slow, it's personalized yeah. to you, and you know, fast weight loss isn't necessarily bad, and some weight regain after you hit your nadir isn't abnormal. On those two points, could you comment a little bit? Absolutely, Tom, and what we found ex- is exactly what you said. Many people you know, want that fast weight loss, and it's fine. Other people want the slower strategies or at least feel better by doing it not quite so rapidly. Uh, both work. Both we don't have. I don't have a preference. I don't think um, people who do research in this area have preferences. Some of the published data, as you know, uh, show that rapid weight loss is very healthy and very effective. I mean, you can do it, and some regain. Yes, but um, either one is fine. I don't have. You know, I don't have a feeling strong feeling one way or the other. Whatever works for you works for you. I, I think the bottom line for all of us is, you know, we're all different and we find what works best for us. And that is the way to go. And by doing that, and we found that in Look Ahead and other, other studies, I could say, I could give you countless studies that have shown things, uh, outcomes like that. And so, sure, whatever area, whatever area, whatever approach works for you is the one I would advocate. I love that because I think what is a perfect takeaway from today's chat is that everyone needs to figure out what's right for them and what is their plan going to be because we need that plan. You need to know how you're going to approach it. You're going to need to know those people you need to surround yourself with. And it's vitally important that we kick off the year with a strategy of what am I going to do? You can't just say, I want to lose weight. I want to get healthier. How are you going to do it? You need to identify those actual steps that you're going to take. You need to commit to them. And I think it really is beneficial to know that everyone is different and how you do it doesn't have to be the same as others in your tribe. You can just do it the way that works best for you. Boy, right. You said it best. That's right on, Kathleen. And if I can echo something, I'm so happy you said, John, to focus on on health. And I think just my final question would be how much you've seen in terms of more success when someone has, you know, what we call a why, like a real, you know, why do you want to be healthy? Not just get on less medications or necessarily, you know, fit in, in uh, different clothes or something like that. But what's your real why, whether it's your, your grandkids or whether it's you want to travel and, and, and do it actively or I've heard so many different purposes in life, if you will, that I think you're talking about when you say focusing on health or what will health give you? What is your why? Why are you doing it? So you find those that have a why, if you will, to be a bit more predictive of success? Long term, yes. There's no question that you're right. Um, Those of us uh, who deal with patients every day, we find that you can can almost pick out, you're not always 100% accurate, but you can pick out reasonably well people who have goals that are long-term health-related, you know, I want to dance at my daughter's wedding and things like that, that where you, you have good health-related focus goals rather than, you know, again, I want to, just what you said, you know, make a lot of money or whatever it is of, you know, I want to lose 100 pounds and then I, you know, 
Right. Exactly. That's my bottom line. Does BMI get included in those health parameters? Is that safe to say it's it's good to want to get your BMI into a healthy range? Well, it's one estimate of, you know, what's going on in your life. I mean, the BMI certainly is not the be-all, the come-all in terms of mm -hmm. weight. Um, it's right. good for public health and measures and looking at changes in, you know, uh, populations. But for an individual, it doesn't have a whole lot of use. It, it's one measure of um, how you're doing and what you're doing and whether, you know, you get those cut points like overweight and obesity and things like that. But um, when we developed those originally, I was on the NIH panel that developed those BMI strategies for use. And uh, we thought, well, it's a good start. But um, I think people are moving away from those tables now and the BMI tables. They're not particularly helpful for individuals at all, and, but from only probably to be best to be used in public health strategies, public health measures. So, But we still should be getting on the scale. Do you think uh, getting on the scale is a good strategy to help keep your goals focused? Scales are critical. You have to weigh good. regularly. <laughs> it's a must. Okay. The studies have found, uh, the research studies have found, we've found, other people have found, many studies have shown weighing regularly is an important uh, measure of how you're doing. Remember, raising awareness is a key for all of us as individuals. Raising awareness of what you're doing, of what you're eating, of how much you're exercising, of what you're weighing are all important aspects. So are getting on a scale important? Yes. How often do you get on scale? Individuals differ on that. So you can argue um, for maintenance, it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, a helpful strategy for many of us is once a week, but certainly during the weight loss phase, once a day can be helpful. But is weighing, to answer your question, Kathleen, is weighing uh, important? Absolutely, positively, because it raises awareness of how you're doing in terms of your diet and your exercise program. Just one little nuance on the scale. I can't tell you, John, how many times, you know, bringing the patients in myself, I've actually seen some, you know, take off their wedding band before weighing in. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's in the afternoon. Oh, no, silly. no. Come on, Tom. I got a better one. We had a patient take out their uh, contact lenses. Well, oh, go. my gosh. I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I take my True shoes off. And shoes, are, shoes are fine, right? But, yeah. um, but, you know, some might want to strip naked and so forth. But the, the point is, too, that um, as much as we tell them, you know, don't, uh, don't go hungry and stop when comfortably full, they would dehydrate and so on. And we just asked them, say, you know, just weigh yourself in the morning at home. After pooping and peeing, we, you don't, we don't need to do it here. We trust you. And, and we found actually a better engagement regarding the sensitivity of the scale and where it could possibly be counterproductive um, by allowing uh, you know, that uh, agency to the patient. Yes, good point. Excellent. Well, Dr. John Ferrat, this has been fabulous. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your pearls of wisdom. There are many, many. I think it'd be hard to sizzle them all down, but we'll do our best to write it up in a brief little description of our podcast today. And so people have these key takeaways and, and can learn from your astute background and your erudite perspective. We thank you so much. Absolutely. And we want to have you back after Look Ahead Reports. That would be great. And if I could just close by saying, remember, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Start today nice. uh, to achieve a healthier life. Remember, everyone can't be skinny, but everyone can be healthy.
I love it. Outstanding. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. Well, Kathleen, that was awesome. Thank you so much for having John. It was just wonderful. And he mentioned something we didn't get a chance to follow up on, but um, about those those pressure relief valve moments, right? To not be so structured that you can't go to a birthday party or or have what we call a little bit of 5% fun zone in there. What, what do you think about that? I mean, that kind of uh, strategic resting, you know, so you don't get diet fatigue. Well, my philosophy is I, I give a little bit more leeway to that. I say be a B student. Don't be perfect, but most of the time, 80% of the time, try to make the right choices. So I think if we can live our lives with allowing for those birthday parties and cocktails or hot fudge sundays or whatever it is you want for your splurge, do it, but do it in portion control, do it within the confines of this healthy lifestyle that you're committed to. So I live a constant vigilance kind of approach that, you know, still has those those moments that allow me to have all the fun that I want. I, I feel you. I feel you. And, you know, I come from a different from the binge eating perspective, so I'm still working on the portion control, but I've got my uh, bar, Barbara Rolls volumetrics, you know, certain foods I can oh, eat as much yeah. as I want and for self-forgiveness. Hey, we could invite her. She's a friend of mine. She's great. She's great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, we had her on Noted. Would love to have her back. My one thing, and I love John so much, but I, I tend not to use the word diet so often. I know it's a real word and uh, or even exercise. I, I focus on food or nutrition and physical activity, yep. but um, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's all due respect. John's wonderful, but what, what are your personal thoughts on that? You know, I think that the word diet is what people relate to. And so while you know, really the better thing to talk about is dietary patterns or right, the typical right. way of eating or what you eat. But as Americans, as adults, we know it is our diet. So I get your point, but yet I also see that it's hard to sort of move past it. And when you talk about things like dietary patterns, I get questions. What do you mean my dietary patterns? Well, it just means what you typically eat. You know, that's what's your, what you usually eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And okay, I know you want to know. You're dying to know what I have for breakfast today, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, look, I mean, th- these are, this is the reality of how do we as, as health experts really run our own show, right? And maybe, maybe next time we have John, we can have him bring Linda <laughs> on with him. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I usually, I rotate between having whole grain cereal and I make a mix. I have a big container and I mix a couple of different boxes. So there's some fiber one and some oat squares or some shredded wheat, you know, that kind of thing with some fresh berries. This morning there were blueberries and skim milk. And if I don't have that, I have yogurt with berries and a little bit of my homemade granola, with, which has a lot of nuts in it. Absolutely. I, I love uh, I love those options. I, I'm often doing a, a bunch of uh, vegetables mixed in with egg whites in addition to some fruit or some healthy high fiber uh, starch that I think, I, I mean, I need. I, I completely differentiate white bread and and refined uh, grains from whole grains and from beans and lentils. Uh, you can't compare a jelly bean to a navy bean. So I don't know about, we can talk about <laughs> carbs when people say that. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Jelly bean or a garbanzo bean? No, no. <laughs> well, and you know what? I find that you just can't buy it. Don't buy it. Don't bring it in the house. If you don't want to eat those Absolutely. potato chips, they better not be in your cupboard or, you know, you're going to, there's going to be a time you're going to be reaching for them. Yeah. Don't bring the wolf into the house and blame the wolf when the wolf bites you. It's a beautiful animal. It's meant to be outside. <laughs> Pet it outside with an animal trainer once in a while when you want to splurge, but uh, <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much, Kathleen. This was a, a wonderful episode, and I'm looking forward to many more with you. Absolutely. It was great. Thank you for listening to the True Health Revealed podcast. 
We appreciate your time and hope you'll join us again. For more information on today's episode and to subscribe to future podcasts, please visit truehealthinitiative.org. And to help us continue the fight against fake facts, please consider donating to our nonprofit True Health Initiative.